0: what's up everybody welcome back to another episode of the hunting gear podcast and this episode was supposed to be out the week of or the week after the ata show but COVID hit, a whole bunch of parties involved, and it got pushed back and rescheduled, and then my life had some curveballs in it, and here we are now halfway through February, or almost halfway through February, and uh, finally getting to launch this episode. And what this episode is, is I'll be talking with uh, one of my buddies, Cameron Stover. Now, if you've heard Cameron Stover on this uh, podcast before, it's because he is the owner of the hunting gear deals website and so he goes there every year and he uh, to the ata show every year and he takes a look around he gets a real in-depth analysis of the good the bad and the ugly uh, products that kind of pop up uh, at the ata show we talk about new products we talk about hits and misses we talk about companies that aren't necessarily copycatting each other, but bringing products into their lineup that other companies already have. So like filling gaps in their in their product line and uh, a whole bunch of other really good conversations uh, based off of uh, the ATA show this year that unfortunately I was not able to go to. But either way, um, that's what it is. That's what today's topic is about. So uh, we're gonna do a, a real quick commercial block here. If you guys are looking for some badass apparel, head on over to TheAverageConservationist.com. Take a look at their hoodies, their t-shirts, their hats. One of my favorite hats, what's this one called? It's called the General Hat, and uh, it looks like something a general would wear. It's pretty badass. It's got three stars on it. Big, bold, uh, big, bold lettering. Really good fit. The t-shirts are also those those fits that they, they, they make a guy like me with some love handles look pretty good. Uh, tied around all the right spots but loose in all the other spots so uh, check out the dot one of the cool things about this company is that right off the top they give 10 percent of all earnings to some form of a conservation fund this makes them two percent for conservation certified they also have a podcast on the sportsman's nation network here so make sure you listen for that uh, and I do have a discount code. If you want to save 10% off of your purchase, enter the discount code NFC10 for 10% off. Next is Hunt Stand, and actually, I'm going to be using Hunt Stand a lot over the next handful of weeks. While the snow is still on the ground and uh, before I procrastinate into the spring when there's all these leaves on the tree, I'm going to get out. And I'm going to do some scouting. I'm going to do some shed hunting. I'm going to be marking rubs and scrapes and active trails and edge and bedding areas and what this does is it allows me to uh how do I put this uh put together a journal a digital journal of everything that I observe and notice and how deer walk through the the landscape and then what you do over time is that just it almost helps you forecast your movement with all the information that you have gained and documented on hunt stand um so if you want to find out more information about hunt stand visit huntstand.com um you can download it for free but if you want to upgrade to the next level it's only 30 bucks so it's a badass fully functional uh podcast or excuse me uh, uh mobile app that you can download um i think from their website or anywhere uh Podcasts or uh, apps can be downloaded. I got my mouth on that one. But uh, next is, like I said, I'm still trying to get Lone Wolf, the the old Lone Wolf guys, to come on and talk about Novex, basically, the, the tree stand company. Made in America. Badass tree stands, right? Same functionality as the old Lone Wolf's. Um, made in America. Quiet. All, easy to set up. Easy to tear down. Four sticks and uh, they're their small stand can get me anywhere that I need to go. So go, go to Novex's website, check it out, and you'll see that a lot of the products are similar to the Old Lone Wolf, um, but just in this new brand. This is not a rebrand, it's a new company uh, with some of the similar products as the Old Lone Wolf. So uh, I strongly recommend going and checking those out if you are looking to uh, up, you know, get more mobile in your setup. So. Go to Novex. All right. So I'm looking here. I think we're done. Be sure that you guys are downloading or subscribing to the Hunting Gear podcast or the Sportsman's Nation feed, wherever you download your uh, your podcast. Also go to Instagram and uh, follow the Nine Finger Chronicles and follow the, uh, the uh, Sportsman's Nation feed as well. A lot of cool information and friendly reminders coming in out of that. And other than that, man... Uh, here goes another badass episode. All right, on the phone with me today, Mister Cameron Stover. Cameron, how we doing, man? Doing well, Dan. Thanks for having me. Yeah, absolutely, absolutely. So, you went to the ATA show and you got COVID.
1: Absolutely. Seems like everybody <laughs> I talked to is get COVID. And, uh, and overall, it wasn't too bad. Uh, yeah. but I ended up getting almost like strep throat and couldn't talk for five days. Uh, I yeah. Didn't feel too bad. I just couldn't talk. Yeah. Uh, but a lot of the people that I went with and a lot of people that I talked to after the show through emails and stuff, it seemed like it was just a breeding ground. Everybody's shaking hands and exchanging business cards and handling the same products. Yep. But it's part of it. I mean, it's part of our society today and you can't let it hold you back from doing things that you like to do.
0: Yeah. That's a fact. Um, and that was the reason why I didn't go to, uh, uh, the ATA show and it wasn't because, I was afraid of getting COVID. It was because I already had COVID and I felt like, man, I wanted to go so bad, but I felt it was the responsible thing to do to stay home. I myself was like sick for a day and then didn't, you know, it wasn't until like two weeks later when I officially got tested um, that I knew I had it. I didn't get tested or anything, but uh, it was the right thing to do to stay home. And, and uh, um, but you made it there. And you were able to walk around and uh, look at all the new products, talk to a whole bunch of people. So let me just kick this episode off by asking this question. When you are on that showroom floor um is there anything particular that you're trying to look for like what things interest you personally what things are going to uh maybe catch someone's eye on hunting gear deals uh that kind of stuff like what are you looking for what are you personally interested in
1: okay so i'm i own huntinggeardeals.com as you know and what the first thing i'm looking for when i walk into the ATA show i'm going to the innovation zone And that's where all the new products are that um, manufacturers are looking to display. So I'll go through that area in detail, take some photos and notes from companies that are displaying new products that catch my attention. Sometimes you see the same product year after year in there. Sometimes you don't. Sometimes you see something and you're like, ah, I want that. Mm -hmm. And if I see a product that really sticks out and it says either A, that's different or B, I want that without seeing any marketing behind it. I know it's something that I should go into and investigate and I try to go through booth by booth, but that innovation center seeing those new products firsthand uh, without seeing getting a sales pitch or anything like that is really nice to be able to sit there and handle that without a lot of traffic and a lot of people there to aggravate you.
0: Yeah. All right. So, you know, and we had a kind of a small conversation, I believe it was um, between me and you, you know, before we recorded this podcast a while ago. What was that, compared to other uh, shows, and I'm not talking about the people, I'm talking about the products, um, was there a whole bunch of new innovation uh, this year? Was it a lot of uh, same, like business as usual? Or what was the vibe that you got?
1: Uh, I mean, there's there's a couple different vibes that goes along with the ATA show that we might get into later. But as far as new products, there wasn't a lot of innovation that caught your attention that you just had to have or you thought it was going to set the world on fire. I mean, some of the products that really caught a lot of traction really weren't that special until you get into some of those carbon fiber products that people hadn't seen before. Uh, But as an industry whole, uh, it was more like a catch up year and a copycat year more than it was an innovative year.
0: Yeah. When you, when you mean copycat, explain what you mean by that?
1: Um, well, like a couple of, in years past, we've seen some products really take on and challenge the market to catch up or to lower price points, both of that. And we've seen some companies like trail camera manufacturers, um, the reveal line of cameras have really kind of taken the market and taken a huge chunk of that market due to their price point and some of the features that they have for the price of that camera. And a lot of those manufacturers have had to lower prices on their cameras and innovate those or include the features that are included with some of their competitor cameras in that price point. Uh, So that was one of the first things that I seen. Uh, A lot of um, interaction between the mobile hunting community and the mobile hunting community is probably the most innovative aspect of the industry right now the way it is because there's a lot of DIYers out there and manufacturers are capitalizing on somebody else's ideas and tweaks and they're starting to run with that and create businesses with those and and that's a very fun part of the industry to watch and observe right now and to be a part of
0: yeah what were what were some of those copycat products that you saw I mean you don't necessarily have to name the the companies themselves but what were the products that were that were getting and it's we use the term "copycat" loosely because it's not like they're directly copying; they're bringing in a product that's similar to fill a uh, a gap in their lineup, right? So, yes, it's copying, but at the same time, these comp- everybody does it.
1: Um, yeah, for me, it's going to start with the trail camera market. Like I said, the uh, you got the the Reveal X and the Reveal um, SK and XB lineup. And then you got the spy point Flex. You've got the Reconyx at a higher price point, and they're one of the unique features that you saw with those cameras, where they were available to adapt to any network uh, as long as they're programmed for that. Basically, you turned it on, it found a better signal for you, and you don't have to have your own plan. So that was pretty. That's pretty cool to see. Yeah and give customers more options yeah. um, some of it might be the saddle side of things I mean I haven't tested every saddle on the market right now uh, but it seems like there's a new saddle company um, and there's a change to a saddle here and there and without playing with those for time multiple times you're not going to see those differences and a lot, it seems like everybody's getting a saddle platform and those platforms really don't look a whole lot different except for a couple manufacturers out there that made some tweaks this year, which we can talk about later on.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So um, what about one thing I've noticed, and this is, like I said, without me actually going to the ATA show, it seems like a lot of companies, they feel that uh, introducing something new has value. It's important to, to show that hey we're doing something over here we're not really just treading water uh, we're adding new products and those products that these companies are adding seem to be accessories did you happen to see any of that or what? what is your take on like the accessory game like screw in steps or screw in hooks or or trinkets that you can attach to something or another you know what I mean
1: Yeah, I mean, I think a lot of, I mean, even with the bow manufacturers, they all want an accessory lineup to sell with their bows, and you have to, on the backside of that, the dealers have to, if they're going to sell your bow, then you got to buy these accessories as well and push this accessory, Um, and that's on the archery side of it, Uh, but as far as, like, that goes, there was some innovation, I really liked, I think it's, I can't tell you how to pronounce it, but I think it's, like, X-E-N-E-K, and they have a lot of really neat, accessories for like self-filming out of ground blinds and with like uh, GoPros and uh, attachments like that, that I, that really caught my attention because it's very unique. And I thought, man, for turkey season, that would be phenomenal. Uh, maybe not for gun hunting with during rifle season for deer uh, due to GoPros don't have that flexibility uh, for long range, but some
0: really neat side of things there. Gotcha. Okay. So um, now, other than the copycat, like, uh, you know, the, the copycat market, the the filling a gap, com, you know, the, the competitive side of things, was there any type of new, um, something innovative that that caught your eye and you're just like, okay, this is actually pretty cool?
1: Uh, for me, it was the introduction to carbon fiber with both um you talked to our Timber Ninja already, I yeah. think, on the feed uh, in, the tree, in the tree stand as well as in the saddle platform. Uh, we've seen carbon fiber utilized in bows. We've seen it utilized in climbing sticks with success on both ends. And seeing that come to life uh, in a platform and tree stand, it's pretty neat. Uh, not necessarily in everybody's price points. Yeah, uh, for sure. But it is it is a nice option and provides value for someone looking for something different. Yeah. Am I going to go out and buy that? Maybe, maybe not. I mean, uh, probably not a $1,200 tree stand, but if that's the only tree stand you plan on buying and you want that car- the, the carbon fiber benefits, then that's what you're going to go with.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And, uh, you know, after talking to them, and again, I wasn't there to pick it up and hold it, but let's be honest, me and you, are, we, we do a bit of the mobile hunting hunt stuff. I think it would be absolutely badass to have. Right. Agreed. But that price point is just ridiculous. Like I know that, I know that it is one of a kind, it's new to market. It's, it's, it's the bee's knees, I guess you'd say when it comes to, um, you know, the lightweight, you know, thermal, uh, the thermal capabilities of it and and things like that. But just for 1200 bucks, man, that, that is a that's a big commitment when I can go out and, and buy a ton of other things with that $1,200. bucks.
1: you are exactly right. I mean, at that price point, and it's not like they're jacking the prices up on the consumer because they've got a new product. At the right. end of the day, that's a hard material to utilize to do something different with what they're doing. They're using that compressed carbon fiber. It's not like a hollow tube carbon fiber that we might see in a bow where the, the fiber's being wrapped yeah you would see an arrow. So uh, it's a very neat lineup. It's something, it's only going to appeal to a guy that wants to do something different. um, And they see that small half a pound difference that it might make or that noise cancelization. Um, What I might end up buying though is the carbon fiber uh, platform for the price. I think it's just like in that $300 price range. It's like a pound lighter and it's a little bit bigger than... The heavier, uh, I don't remember Tethered's different lineups on their platform names, but uh, basically it's the weight of the small platform, but the size of their big platform only in that $300 range. So they kind of got something there. Uh, but those guys from Timber Ninja, they were great. I yeah. enjoyed talking with those guys. I enjoyed the product. enjoyed the innovation. Respect that completely. Am I going to spend my money on it? No, probably not.
0: Unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is what it is, right? And plus, I, I believe Timber Ninja that that those products are American made. So again, adding to the price of a uh, of a product like that, the material where it's manufactured all plays a role in in what the cost is going to be. And he even admits to it, you know, in the interview that we we did. It's just that I man. This this product isn't going to be for everybody. So on top of the you know, that, uh, maybe, maybe let's stick to mobile hunting, uh, for a second. If you, maybe you have more to talk about on the mobile line, maybe not any other products that kind of stuck out, uh, to you or, uh, maybe a tweak on an old product for the mobile guys, the DIY guys.
1: Okay. Uh, Latitude Outdoors brought out a different type of platform and it's got wings on it. Instead of it being a big square on the tree, it's a small square square or rectangle with two wings coming off the side of it basically it looks like a a giant step okay um you still have that platform where you can stand and pivot and shoot from i don't know if you've ever tried saddle hunting yet not yet Um, but it is a very innovative it's like why didn't why didn't anybody else think of this it reduces the weight of that platform uh but still gives you that functionality to move around, but it doesn't give you a lot of surface area to stand on, more of like a leaning against surface area. So that was pretty neat. Of course, the carbon fiber platform from Tethered, that was was really cool. Um, I think they won like best in show and stuff like that. So they've gotten a lot of attention. Uh, One of the coolest things that I found for like the mobile hunting, saddle hunting community was a backpack from Insight Outdoors and it's the first backpack that i've seen that you don't have to make your mobile setup fit it it fits your mobile setup so it's got an internal compartment for your climbing sticks that locks them in place um, and it's kind of padded around it reduces noise and then on the exterior you kind of you can lock in your platform as well so everything fits in your backpack, nice and neat uh, your sticks are exposed on the ends, so it, they can be different lengths whether you have like full length lone wolf custom or lone wolf sticks versus, um, the smaller one stick from tethered, for instance, something like that. Yeah. Um, so the backpack for me is a must have, um, if I'm going to hunt from a saddle next year, I'm getting that backpack from inside outdoors because it does everything that I wanted it to do and more. Gotcha. Um, I, th- I, th- I think that has, that has to
0: be like a must have. Yeah. So it, it's something that got you excited, right?
1: Yes, yeah. uh, yes, and, uh, and I've done pretty decent. If I see a product that gets me excited, I understand that there's a market for it, uh, yeah. but there's a lot of products out there that I see, and I'm like, that not ever sell. And then you look and like, well, I was wrong. Right, right. <laughs> Somebody out there wanted it. It wasn't me, though.
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so maybe uh, less product. Was there any type of technology, um, maybe a kick-ass app or... I don't know, something that was like digital or connected to your phone. Or I know you you talked a little bit about the, the technology on the trail camera side of things. Was there anything else?
1: Yeah, there's a new mobile application called Jacked Tagged, and that's J A K T and then tag. Uh, there, I think they're going to go but with Jacked in general, or Jacked is the name of the everything that they're going to com- comply with but it's more than just a mobile application for communicating with friends. Um, I like the, the idea of having a platform without algorithms and someone trying to sell me something that I can talk deer hunting and fishing and all this outdoor-related activities without being censored. So uh, for the social media side of it, there's no algorithms there that are going to bury me or keep me from seeing the people's uh, – People that I'm friends with are following on social media. Uh, so that's pretty cool in itself. Now, there's a lot more features to this mobile application. Uh, they use uh, NFCs or QR codes to keep track of things. So you can take, a, say, the, some of the mounts probably sitting in your office right now that you're looking at, you can take all your tag information and put it into their system put a, uh, a, a tag on it, a jacked tag, it's got a QR code that you scan, and then you can bring up, you can type in your um, where you killed at date, all that um, information that you would need to make that mount legal to ha- to have, and you can digitalize that. Now, what I'm curious on is if each state will um, will take that information for what it is and allow you to use that as your legal identification tag as they were, trying to sell that as because uh, they were also uh, comparing it to waterfowl hunting and putting like um, they said one of the most common waterfowl or one of the most common game violations is not uh, separating whose waterfowls who when you're in the duck blind and okay. you put this, you put your you put like a toe tag on it basically and you can scan and say this is mine this is yours um, so whether or not that gets adopted and or accepted from your local game commissions, I don't know if that's the case, uh, but it's, it's nice technology to have incorporated into it where you might see some of those QR codes uh, useful for everybody, regardless of whether you've got a, a deer mount on the wall or not, is in your freezer. Uh, so they have it set up to where you can scan this QR code and it'll bring you up the date that you killed this game what it is what cut of meat it is and I can see this being a fun way to share wild game a lot of that a lot of people like to share the harvest as a way to incr kind of educating people on why we hunt and things like that so that would be a fun way to hey scan this it'll kind of tell you a little bit about it what kind of cut of meat it is what kind of animal it was where it came from um, as well as keeping track in your freezers like oh this is out of date because a lot of times you write it with sharpie and it rubs off or you forget to label it because you're in a hurry uh, on your way back to Canada, whatever the case may be so that's pretty neat and I hope to see that grow I, I've kind of Taking the initiative myself, and I'm going to try to put start putting my own content on there uh, because I want to be a part of that community if it does take off. And I think those guys seem very well educated on uh, mobile applications and that technology. I just hope the hunting community embraces it, and we can have a place without being censored.
0: Yeah, so it, it's like a social. It's like part social media app.
1: Yeah, it's part social media app, part uh, tagging or tracking system for other components. And I think they're going to use that tagging system later on uh, for more things as they see use for it. But right now it's like, it's kind of like it, you scan a code and it hooks up, brings up like a Google doc form and uh, it has it already completed out or you fill it out and then it compiles this data for you. So uh, you can think of it that way. It's pretty neat. Uh, Some of that stuff seems like is every day, every everyday person going to utilize it. Maybe not, but I think we may all utilize a social media platform that it, that it's kind of
0: based around. Yeah. sounds to me like it's, like go well go wild have you heard of go wild yep i've used go wild yeah
1: um, I've, I've used go wild go wild's got uh, that social media group uh, side of things for the hunting industry but you see a lot of product being sold on there from go wild yeah uh, and, and i understand the business side of that but that's kind of why i distanced myself from it initially i was like I, i'm being overwhelmed by sale pages so i get it i understand why some people unfollow my hunting gear deals for social media because they don't want to see it too. So yeah. I get it.
0: Yeah, I feel you. Okay, so um, all right. So that's something different. You know, like you, five years ago, you didn't see that kind of stuff coming out of the the ATA show. Um, any misses? I know we talked a little bit about the hits, but was there, was there anything that you walked through and maybe a major company put out and you're just like, oh man, that's going to be a miss or something that you just you saw and you're like ah this ain't gonna work
1: uh not a lot of stuff from like the big name brands i think a lot of times like i said there wasn't a whole lot of innovation this year uh but from brands that i wasn't necessarily familiar with going on there was a and i hate to laugh when i say that but the company is rangu uh it's a bicycle company so okay. e-bikes are very popular yep uh, i I'm going to buy one this year. I finally made my, cho- made my decision. I'm buying myself one, but I can say it's not going to be one of these bikes. And the reason being is they have two front tires. I saw and that. I, I saw I that little skinny tires, big fat tires. And I'm like, that's gotta be heavy. And he's like, yeah, it only weighs 120 pounds. And I'm like, <laughs> only, <laughs> only, two, only 120 pounds. I mean, what, what are you going to do with it? I mean, you're yeah. going to throw it on, on a four wheeler trailer and have to haul a trailer and then pull it off. I, so I can't understand where that fits right now in the industry. They, they promoted it with some safety features that it won't wash out. So it'll be in interesting to see if that's embraced, but I can't see that product. Um, I can't see anybody picking a dual-tired front-wheel bicycle over a single dual-wheel or single
0: yeah. e-bike. Yeah. Um, when I've been on a handful of e-bikes before, and— maybe from a stability standpoint, the dual front tires, that plays a role. But if it's a hundred pounds, over a hundred pounds, I can pick up a regular e-bike and throw it in the bed of a truck with no problem. Right. But a hundred, a hundred pounds, man, that's like starting to get into dirt bike level. You know what I mean? Where, where you might need a buddy to help you pick it up and put it into the, into the back of the truck.
1: Yeah, because it's not like a 120-pound dumbbell. You're talking about a, an object that is big and bulky. Exactly. So you, you add extra weight to length and weight and stuff like that. I can't imagine that being something that I would ever want to utilize. If, if I'm using something that big and heavy, I might as well just grab my four-wheeler and go that route and put throw it on a trailer because it's a lot less work.
0: Yeah, that's a fact. What else? Any, okay. does, it doesn't necessarily have to be a miss or anything like that, but is there anything else that uh, kind of caught your attention at the show?
1: Well, we can talk about the actual attendance of the show and that that made kind of a scene for that may impact the ATA show for years to come was yeah. the lack of attendance from some big name players, some big brands. And then that chained down into the dealers seemed like they were less interested when they saw the leaders in the industry back away. Uh, plus you had covid situations, you had some really bad weather that hit at the time where people needed to be traveling. Um, And then there were some smaller companies that just didn't show. I mean, there was a lot of empty space this year uh, that was just filled with random seating areas and stuff like that. And you look down the aisles and there weren't a lot of people there. And I know this is an industry only show and you could certainly fill the floor with people that want to be there because we all want to go. We all want to see those new products, but it's designed to help the dealer buy product At a discounted rate, in return, the uh, manufacturer knows how much of that product that it needs to budget to buy, sell, um, and that's how they're allowed to extend that that discount. You buy in bulk, you get that discount, and it comes down from manufacturing all the way through. Um, And there's some rumors like, hey, it's it's a money thing, and there's a lot of cost associated with it when you start diving into it. Um, a lot of it has to be with, with has to do with the venue and the um, the union associated with that. Uh, there's rumors that if you have a pallet that needs picked up, it costs you a hundred dollars to start just for that that forklift to touch it. Um, and some of these manufacturers were looking at over a hundred thousand dollars to attend this show for yeah. three
0: days. Yeah,
1: uh, and when you factor in the fact that, I hate to throw Hoyt's name out there, but Hoyt supposedly has enough orders right now backed up to where if they can complete those orders, it's going to be their most successful year they've ever had. So why spend that extra money and capital to go get more orders on products that you can't fulfill and for orders you can't fulfill right now because you don't have enough product. A lot of people have seen the trickle down effects from the chain supply. Um, A lot of material coming in from overseas and, um, things like that, and you're starting to see that translate into the market uh, because we just they just can't keep up with demand. Yeah, but it's very interesting. We'll see how that plays out in the next couple years to see if these players come back. Maybe prices come down to help. Uh, venues might change, so we'll st- we'll just have to wait and see. Uh, I think yeah. it really opens doors for other players to take note. Um, I think people are in the last couple of years are really starting to look at PSE more than what they have been in the past, especially with that new carbon bow and uh, the people that they've teamed up with on their engineering side of it. They're really putting out some good products and that was their opportunity to take over The show itself, as far as getting the most attention and, uh, some of these bow manufacturers really stepped up. I think Athens got a lot of, uh, a lot of hype behind them coming in with a roller guard and things like that this year. Not a lot of changes from them, but some improvements. Uh, I didn't shoot every bow. I've got a shoulder injury, but I did shoot a couple of bows that I was personally interested in buying. And, uh, it's unfortunate that all the competition wasn't there to do that.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And kudos to uh, companies like PSC because I'll tell you what. In over the years, I've gone to the ATA show. I try to shoot as many um, bows as possible. Definitely the 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 bigger companies. And although last this year I didn't go to the ATA show, last year I didn't go to the ATA show. Um, but PSC, man, I don't remember their bows being that good personally. The and last they, handful of years, their game has been kicked up big time to where I decided to go with the Bowtech solution this past year, uh, and, and that's the bow I ended up shooting. But number two on my list was a PSE, and it was just by a hair that I picked the Bowtech over the PSE. Um, I don't know where where they came from, but you know they're you know some people love that, and this is this is a, this is a, a, a very personal. Uh, observation of you know of the the bows that I selected but I in the past I I didn't like PSE but this last year they they came in second on my list and I, I was like ah, I was pretty impressed oh you're
1: exactly right and I was right there with you I, I bought a bow back in 2010 from PSE I shot it about a month and I was like I cannot do this and I traded it off lost so much money on that deal but I just wasn't happy with it. And I turned my back from looking, even looking at that direction for so many years. Uh, But in the last couple of years, man, especially that, that carbon, uh, the stealth and the new one they've got out, that's really got my, my wheels turning. I'm like, I don't want to spend that kind of money, but I really like that bow. And I think I could take that bow and create a super lightweight, well-balanced bow uh, for some Western hunting and stuff like that this year. So that's actually what I'm leaning towards. is going that route because i've got bought carbon bows in the past by from another manufacturer and they're they're a pound heavier than what they should have been because they they're no difference in weight uh you get the support the the warmth of the carbon but i only need that for a couple of hunts a year yeah i'd rather have that lighter weight myself and be able to take that weight and spread it into stabilization and stuff
0: like that yeah absolutely absolutely and you know Man, as much as I know a lot of people from the ATA and the, and if you follow them on social media, their, their message was, it wasn't so bad. It was good. It was great. It was grand, but from a, and, and I was supposed to be there to, to talk. They gave me an opportunity to, uh, uh, to talk. I unfortunately, you know, uh, skipped out on it cause of COVID, but, um, I just like, in this digital age, they can get the word out. Everybody's on social media. They can definitely get the word out about their products in other places. The orders I feel are still going to come in. Uh, and you know, for the last handful of years, it's been a smaller ATA show and the, the dealers, they say, you know, like, Hey, uh, Oh God, we got to have this day where the media isn't allowed because they so. It's so annoying that the media is is allowed on the floor, uh, on the on these days, and we're just not getting any business done. I just, I think that's an excuse, man. I, I don't think that's the case, and I feel that a lot of these companies, especially uh, companies like Hoyt and Matthews, and I think Elite, you know, they weren't at the show. There's no need to spend that much money to attend a show like that when, just like you said with Hoyt, or, the orders are already there. So it's almost like they're doing that to keep up appearances. But just imagine what a company could do if the orders are still there and they have an additional $100,000 for marketing, for um, R&D, for whatever they want to do, right? If they put that back into the company. Th- their, their product is only going to get better.
1: Oh, you're exactly right and i think that's where that focus is, may shift long yeah. term. Yeah. I can remember watching the ATA show threads and forums uh, like archery talk for instance when i was back in college and just sitting there watching all day what's new what's new because we got and just waiting for somebody to post a photo because i couldn't be there. That's not there anymore. There's that content out is not there. It's hard to find content on the ATA show other than a few videos. And then everybody moves on because there's so much content being created by the manufacturers and stuff like that for a lot cheaper. And they're able to do that more efficiently. It's a I would much rather see some of these bow manufacturers take a hundred thousand dollars, split fifty thousand of it into conservation and and then market the fact that they instead of them going to the ATA show, put mark spend fifty thousand dollars, market it telling me that you spent fifty thousand dollars extra in conservation this year. Yeah. I would much rather see that than see them attend the show personally.
0: Yeah, man, that's a, that is a, that's a very good point because a lot of companies just don't do conservation work. I, well, they may, yeah, maybe they do, maybe they don't, but I don't know. I don't, I don't know what they do. Right. And they, uh, whatever. I'm just saying, you know, like, uh, uh, walk the walk talk the talk and walk the walk. And you can do that if you uh, don't go to a a big show like that. Now I understand there's a lot of people who are like, who are absolutely in love with the ATA ATA show and and things like that, but whatever is what it is. Um, kind of getting back into the, the product side of things, um, clothing, right? Any, any new products from some of the key players out there that, that were, Oh, that's cool. Or, or did those people not show up either?
1: I tell you what, uh, there was one brand out there. Oh, shoot, I hate to call them by the wrong name. Um, but they're kind of baking clothing based on being silent, like code silent or something like that. I can't, but the guy that runs it used to work for Cabela's in developing a lot of their clothing lines. So it's not a flashy line of clothing, it's not something that might catch your attention walking by it. But if you look at it into what its design purpose is for and the R and D behind it, it's pretty neat. Uh, and it's not something that I caught on actually at the show. I remember walking by the booth and I went, oh, "Look, new clothing brand on the on the uh, is on the on the rise here." Yeah, didn't know what was behind it until after the show, and I started doing some research. Okay, what did I miss? That was one of the things that I missed yeah um you seen a lot of the same players put out a new product line like scent lock, uh, scent blocker, things like that. Um, and it just seems like hey, we've got a new pattern on a on the same exact type of clothing um, so nothing big I mean, you don't get a lot of you don't get sick of gear, you don't get Kuyu you, you don't get first light there. So your three big players in the clothing world aren't at ATA um, so for me, the clothing is not where I focus in on because it's so individually. Yeah. Um, what I like to wear, what fits my body type is not what fits your body type and what fits your hunting style. So yeah. I ignore that as I walk by it for the most part.
0: Yeah. Well, other than that, man, um, you know, before we, we wind down here, is there any other, any other products, good, bad, ugly that came out of the, the ATA show that you want to mention?
1: Uh, I really liked what Bog did this year. Uh, they have a new line of backpacks, and they look—I mean, they have backpacks for the average bow hunter like you and I. They have backpacks geared towards western hunting. Um, it's pretty neat uh, to look at. I mean, the aesthetics of those backpacks are beautiful, uh, but they're—they seem very functional. So it's nice to see a new player in that realm. Uh, oh, a couple other B O
0: G G. No,
1: just one G, B-O-G. Okay, okay. Uh, They also decrease the weight of their death grip. Uh, They have a carbon fiber Sherpa death grip. Uh, That was really nice. If people are into predator hunting, you can take the head off and use the tripod for self-filming out of ground blinds or taking mobile camera shots or something like that. Cobra had a really nice archery sight. If you're familiar with the React technology, basically – you have set your pin gap from twenty to sixty shoot setting up setting your sights and then it just adjusts everything in between for you. You don't need sight tapes and measure and all this stuff. Yep. So Trophy Ridge come out with a digital version of the React Pro Series previously. There's really nothing different other than a a different control on the right side as far as how you adjust instead of it being a wing, it's a wheel now, and then it has a digital display. Yeah. Um not nothing really game changing, but that technology is such a such a great tool already, and you're just now starting to see some manufacturers kind of catch up to that. I know they've got that technology patented. So Cobra, not a brand we usually think of when we think of the higher spot hogs, and uh, Trophy Ridge has a higher end line and Black Gold sites, but Cobra has a it's called a Radius, okay. and it's it it adjusts just like the Trophy Ridge React Series, but instead of the pins moving straight apart, it rotates backwards or forwards to adjust that pin gap. And it all adjusts at one time with the turn of a screw, not a lot of bells and whistles. It's built like a tank. It doesn't look like it's going to have a failure to it. If you remember the old Spot Hog Hunter sites uh, that that were built solid bar, very streamlined, very strong and durable. That's what it reminds me of with the um, the the Re- React-style technology to adjust that pin gap. Yeah, uh, I really like that. Decent price point, under $200. Um, looks like something that I would like. Um, there were some super lightweight accessories and stuff like that for your bow if you want to go that route. Bushnell had a, a rangefinder built for archery hunting that they claim to be the most accurate um one they've ever ever produced or ever been produced in the industry but at the end of the day i just need to know the difference in one yard to the next i don't need to know 30 inches yeah um, because it's not going to make that big a difference in the yardage. is what i'm shooting with a bow yeah so but to play around with that it seemed like a very quick um very easy to use range finder i really liked it Uh, maybe a couple other misses Um, the elevate stand company they uh, brought out the element hang-on stand it's a water jet stand kind of kind of odd with the price point versus the weight Uh, they're trying to compete in that high-end market that the beast gear lone wolf custom gear stuffs in but the way those tree stands mount to the tree I'm not even, I'm not going to recommend somebody even purchasing it until, um, that changes. Um, it has a wrap style system. Instead of using a ratchet strap or a pull strap, you basically take your strap and you wrap it around the, the stand itself and you kind of hook it together. I, I'm, I don't understand the way they got that passed through TMA. Maybe there's more to it. I what was the know, name of the company again? elevate stands and the only stand that they brought out was the element hang on stand. So it's got a super weird uh, setup the way it hooks up. It's not like the traditional pull strap to tighten it up. It's not am steel rope. it's basically it looks like a regular strap without any attachments to it and it just hooks through their um, hang on bracket. It's it caught, caught my attention but it, not for the right reasons
0: okay so okay i'm I'm trying to look at some pictures here of it but um i mean it looks it looks great it you looks look great it. yeah i mean and if so where what didn't you like about it if you,
1: you if you look where it connects to the tree instead of you putting on a uh like a pull strap or a ratchet strap. Yeah. That connection piece is not hooks like you're familiar with on a tree stand. Okay. It's it's basically you twist it through there and make almost like a knot around it and hold it in place without any pull or cinch to it. Hmm. Uh, very very odd design, very something that I don't quite understand. And it, it was like I guess it's a weight reduction thing or it's a patent issue. I do uh. under I do think I do think it's a patent issue that they're trying to skip around and let you buy your own product that they don't sell. I think that's what it is because there's if it's a if they're using water jet to cut that stand, there's a patent pending on that by another manufacturer. So, okay. At the end of the day, I don't know if that tree stand is going to be around long term, but it does offer a okay price point it's like 400 and some bucks for like a 10 pound stand but it's a little bit more lengthy in in their design than some of these other tree stands that we've seen
0: yeah so also looks like you have to have a straight tree for it to work
1: i think it does have an adjust i think it has an adjustability um
0: forward backwards but not right left right like the lone wolves have yeah yeah it's forward backwards that's it that's it yeah can't use it wow. <laughs> sorry um but and another thing that i'm looking at on this stand is i mean it looks cool but the gapping between the yeah. on the platform just looks huge and and that you'll see that same large gapping
1: in the timber ninja carbon fiber stand as yeah. a weight reduction tool
0: yeah yeah
1: uh and and i'm not a big i mean i don't have a big foot so i would hate to be turning and my the heel of my foot drop in that and then i'm hanging from my harness while a big buck blows and what runs away yeah so that's another thing um that i'm not very comfortable with
0: myself yeah yeah all right sorry i I derailed you there but yeah something to take a look at
1: no that, that was right um i mean we could go into the crossbow side of things and I hate to go down that route and say crossbows are bad, but man, they're getting into that 500 feet per second plus range. Yeah. They're so compact and they don't have limbs even at this point in time. It's right there on the rail system and they're like four or five inches wide. Yeah. Uh, so it's really starting to push that envelope. And I, and I understand every every technology that we have pushes the envelope to its limits and you then you either create a new category or you create or you raise those limits on that. But yeah. I think you're going to start seeing. You're already seeing the trail camera market, or the trail cameras, be attacked uh, for certain usages and things yeah. like that. Wouldn't be surprised if they, if we keep pushing it and marketing. Is your crossbow is your next rifle, and you're shooting three inch groups at 130 yards. Um, you're gonna, you're gonna raise some red flags. So yeah. It's, it's not something that I don't support because I'm I plan on buying one for some youth hunts and stuff like that this year, but that's probably not the model that I'm gonna go with. Yeah.
0: Um, myself. Yeah, crossbows are interesting. Trail cameras are definitely interesting. Um, what was I gonna say? Uh, you know, it's only a matter of time. I mean the 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 technology is there. The battery life probably isn't there yet. But it's only a matter of time until someone can log on to their phone and live feed their woods. You know what I mean? Like switch between the cameras or, you know, or, hey, I want to I want to see what this f- food plot is doing right now. And hell, even have the ability to move the camera in the housing just to scan uh, one way or the area and say, eh, I'm not going to hunt tonight because there's no deer out right now. You know what I mean? Like I feel... I feel like that type of technology is coming. Um, it's just a matter of making it work uh, from, a, from a, a financial standpoint. And then on the crossbow market, crossbows are definitely becoming more popular. Um, but at the same time, some of these are so powerful now that, you know, and, and I hate to be that guy who says, what if, right? My, my, my bow is not going to explode if it's just sitting there right but if something knocks a crossbow and it's loaded man there's a lot of power that's going somewhere right and who knows what that is and i'm I'm not i'm i'm not going to i'm not talking trash on crossbows i'm just saying um there's a, a lot of crossbows out there that are designed really well and i would never have a problem shooting them but some of the ones that you're talking about they're just cannons man
1: you're exactly right. And I'm in the same boat. Like I thought at the end of the year that I'm like, I'm not going to be able to pull a bow back. I'm going to have to buy a crossbow. Yeah. So like, I'm not against the crossbow side of it. It's just how far should we take it? Yeah. Cause um, I'm,
0: I'm going to buy a crossbow for my kids and my wife yeah. this year to, to mess no, around I think, with. I think if you,
1: if you didn't, you would be doing a disservice to them because yeah. you're not providing them that, that opportunity to hunt and enjoy it. Yeah. Uh, because they're not probably not ready for compounds and stuff like that, and being able to bring them along, I and mean, that's the same exact reason why I want one. Yeah, uh, I just think there's got there probably needs to be some limitations on what we do, and we may be coming to that. I mean, you've already seen that uh, in a, basically technology kind of tap itself out in the archery industry. We yeah. we make it smoother, but. We're, our feet per seconds are about, about as far as it's going to go right now, unless right. there's a huge change. But as of right now, most manufacturers are going to tell you they've pretty much plateaued on where they can get to. Yeah, absolutely.
0: Yeah, and that's the, the crazy thing. Every year there's something that comes out that's really cool, like what Bowtech did with their cam system and, and what uh, certain brands have done to basically removing a bow press from any type of adjustments that you need. Right. So, um, you know, certain, certain adjustments, not all adjustments, but, um, that kind of technology is really cool. And then on top of that, all the other technologies in the world eventually get absorbed into some type of market and the hunting industry as itself gets older, almost is becoming younger it's switching right because the 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 hunting industry always used to be this old boys club but as new and youthful people start to get involved in it take over companies or get hired into companies this new technology that's already out there in the world starts to flood into this market into this industry it's good I I think that in the next the next 10 years as far as products are going to are concerned there's going to be some really cool uh products coming out
1: yeah i mean even touching back with something you said earlier about live streaming trail cameras spark yeah. uh, Spark's already got one right now if something walks by i get a notification and i can turn that camera on and i can watch it yeah and i've had that, i've had that for a year or two yeah so that technology's is there and they released an upgrade to that model there um so we're gonna i mean i just hate to go down that route of setting ourselves up for failure yeah um, and criticism
0: yeah yeah, that's uh, that's definitely a, a topic of discussion. So, well, I tell you what, man, uh, I really appreciate you taking time out of your day to uh, hop on the podcast and, and talk with us about what you saw at the ATA show, talk about the market and the industry in general. And uh, man, uh, thanks for your time. And, and again, tell everybody uh, where they can find uh, hunting gear deals.
1: And it's always a pleasure, Dan. Thanks for having me. But if you guys want to uh, learn more about huntinggeardeals.com, go to www.huntinggeardeals.com sign up for the daily deal email you'll find the links to the best deals around the hunting hunting industry uh for online retailers as well as gear reviews and i'll have some wild game recipes coming out this year so uh thanks to a person that i met at the ata show actually so we, we kind of hit things off and i think we're going to do some content to creation
0: together so that should be fun perfect all right man well you have a good one and uh we'll talk to you later thanks dan